Selling can be a tricky word. Most people look at it as a used car kind of salesman mentality. And when you're in the health and wellness space, it can be downright scary. Perceptions of money and value come up. And how do you deal with that? Well, today what we dive into is how we feel about selling, how that's changed over time. And also, Brandon shares a story of someone that gave him something that made him feel really confident and good about where he was and and like the experience that he was having. Does selling have to be bad? Or is it just our perception of the word? Maybe the way that we view selling has to change so that we can feel like we're providing value. Maybe we feel like we're actually helping change people's lives for the better or providing a way or a solution to a specific problem. Before we get started, make sure you guys go over to bizbody.net and sign up for the newsletter. It's a great way to get a hold of us. And also, sometimes we send out workflows that accompany each one of these podcasts. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy the show. Brian and I, we, uh, what was the, what was the book that we read? The obesity code. Mm-hmm. So, or I should, shouldn't say friend who reads books anymore. Right. right. Listen uh, to that shit. Yeah, exactly. You got to listen to it. So, so, um, one of the proponents of it was, or the ideas in it was fasting, intermittent fasting, um, fasting, it's relationship to diabetes, Walter Brimley. I've got the perfect disease. I got diabetes. I got diabetes. <laughs> Which my wife is a type one diabetic, and um, its relationship to metabolic syndrome and um, type two diabetes instead of type one diabetes, where your pancreas completely shuts down. So it we've been screwing around with fasting once a week. Um, Brandon turned me on to it because I'm just like this. You know, this may have legs. It's actually, some really cool ideas in it. So today is a fasting day, but. I get to have coffee with Boom. with some, with some creamer in it too. Right, that is part of the deal. Like you can uh, you can have as much coffee as you want, water, um, bone or chicken broth. If yeah. uh, you know your uh, stomach is eating itself, <laughs> gargle. The, the funny thing is, man, it's like you know. I think a lot of the, a lot of times, you know, being in the health and wellness sector. Um, there's a lot of crazy things out there that you can do and try and, you know, that aren't backed by any type of, you know, research or any type of uh, idea on, you know, whether or not what you claim to be happening actually does happen. Oh, yeah. So a lot of it is, you know, oh, yeah. blind faith. Um, th- I think the uh, the thing that intrigued me the most about the obesity code is, you know, not only is the the guy that uh, wrote it was it Doctor Fung, Doctor Fang, um, is he a very intelligent guy? Obviously, but he's very sarcastic in nature, so it keeps you actually like um, really interested in the in the book and how he describes things. He's right, Canadian, right? I think so. You know, it's it's interesting too because it's like 
it's almost as if he made sure that the reader, because the reader, the guy who wrote, who read the book was not the guy who wrote the book. And, right. and, but he wanted to make sure that he had an Asian accent. Right. You know, it's like, he was, it's like, I don't want to read this, but I kind of want it to be a Canadian Asian style accent, which was, it was remarkably awesome. Well, the, and, and the cool part is, you know, everything that he talks about in this book is cited through research, right? All and, human studies. And it's all human studies. There's no animal studies. Um, all the studies that are cited, like, um, have, what, a minimum of 100 people, but most of them have over 1,000, yeah, right? Most. Which then, you know, gives a lot more validity to the actual um, research that was done in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not just conjecture or opinion that he's giving. He's actually stating, you know, research-backed facts that whether you agree with it or not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that whole adage we bring up, you know, the idea of like, you can agree with me that two plus two is four all day long, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You can, you, you can disagree with it. It still doesn't matter. It does, still doesn't change the output. Right. And I think that, you know, you read a lot of things, people claim a lot of things that in this book, there's scientific backing that says, you know what, like that's, it. that's mm-hmm. false. You know, yeah. it's the whole idea, like. You know, um, I mean, I think the big one in our in our sector, right, is the whole idea of calories in versus calories out. Yeah, and you oh, know, everyone that, knows that, right? And everybody knows that to be like true, and that's how you lose weight. And it's like, no, actually, there's close to seventy years of research showing that that's complete bullshit. Yeah, and you know, you can sell it. And people are going to buy it because it sounds good and it makes a lot of sense when it's you status quo, man. When you when you totally uh, you know explain it in the way people do, but unfortunately you can't prove it, and nobody's been able to prove it in the last seventy years. Well, that, I mean, you it, know, it, of, goes, it goes hand in hand with what we talked about before we even started and before we pressed record. It's like the idea of is it what everyone else has supposedly said is true, and it works short term. Or is there a long-term solution that's sustainable that you've done the painstaking work to to see whether or not, okay, I have this thing that works for this client that I've had for a couple months versus 10 years versus 20 years. I'm like, are you going to be in this field 20 years from now to be reliable enough to, to change enough to see the, those things to fruition? You know, Or is it going to be the short-term like everything now approach that we've seen over and over in, in our society where it's like, I want to lose five, 10 pounds now or 50 to a hundred pounds now. And what is that going to do to my body short term versus, okay, you know, 10 years from now, I'd really like to have uh, my knees instead of fake knees, uh, my hips or instead of, you know, fake hips or busted up pelvis and not, and I can't move anymore. So now what happens when my, fat set point or my lipostat is already set at such a level that can't be changed inside my brain, which has nothing to do with calories in or calories out. Like, what am I going to do about that? Right. And that's, 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 you're stuck. You're really stuck. Right. I mean, not completely stuck, but I mean, it, it really now is going to grind on you because you feel trapped. Right. And so, you know, I think the perception is that people that are overweight, that they're lazy, they eat too much. You know, they don't care about themselves. And you know what? That might actually be the truth for some of those people out there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, 
you know, if you're one of those people that, you know, has always been skinny your whole life and has never had to battle with weight, like most of those people don't, can't empathize with people that are overweight, right? It's like, you know, the perception is, well, you know, they're obviously, you know, overweight because they overeat. They're obviously overweight because, you know, they don't exercise. They're obviously, you know, like there's a lot of assumptions being made. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like there's a lot of people that struggle with weight that, you know, don't overeat, that some of those people don't eat enough, actually, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we're well, finding out more and more that genetics plays a huge role, like bigger than we ever even imagined, right, um, with weight gain, where, you know, if you chose your parents wrong, you could be screwed from day one, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so it doesn't matter if you eat your lean meats and vegetables and go paleo your whole life, you're still going to be overweight. Was that like based on um, like uh, twin separation studies, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just remark- ugh, can't talk. remarkable to see the results of these twins were split up and yet like the one that lived, the one that was obese, that lived with parents that weren't obese still was obese. Right. And it, it, like, there's nothing that they did that changed the genetics of that child towards becoming leaner. It was like, you stuck with it. Right. And then the whole adage that, you know, like, you know, he talks about in this book, how the United States exercises more than any other country on the face of the planet. Right. But it is also the most obese. <laughs> so China's gaining. Do we really have an exercise problem? And does exercise even solve it? Solve the yeah. problem? Yeah. I'd say hell no, it doesn't. Yeah, like completely. And, and the more that they're finding out is like obesity is more of a hormonal problem than it is an activity problem, a yeah. food problem per se. Um, you know, so the you know, it, it was a very interesting read because I think it for me, it really solidified some of the things that we always thought but couldn't articulate or couldn't prove like I just didn't I didn't take the time to do the research or take the time to really like research it out because that's not what we typically do no, we're, like we're, we're not that's the main going not, into nutrition most that's of the not time. the main focus of our practice yeah, right yeah but you know because we are in the health and wellness space like how many times a day do you have people ask you about food okay oh, you know what I mean and it's like we're doing all these things and I'm not losing weight or I'm doing all these things. I'm not losing weight. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And it's like, well, you know, now it's like, <laughs> what, what you if know. you couldn't exercise away your body fat problem? Right. Like, in, and that's another thing too. It's like, it just seems synonymous. Like what you're eating, right. Is going to, um, go hand in hand with your exercise person. Right, which to me, there is no real relationship between that thing. Like, I'm not a food specialist. I'm I'm someone that's looking at how the joints are behaving, like piece by piece, and that's 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 my scope of practice. Now, if there is someone on the other hand that's saying, okay, this is your body's personal relationship with food mentally and now chemically, because a lot of people that weren't obese to start and then they start be you know, like gaining body fat, there's probably like a stress response that's through the roof that may be cortisol induced, like hormonal, like you talked about on, on the stress side, which usually is related to abuse or the context of abuse, which, you know, could be how they sleep. It could be like how they're viewing that stress. But then also on the other side, the insulin response towards like 
added sugars, um, which which are not what people are coming here for, like for our business, you know. So it's really interesting to me how people just assume that you know the the nutrition side is going to go with the exercise side, and like it may not, it may not at all. It's like assuming that. Psycho- like your psychological profile should just go hand in hand with your exercise. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, that brings up a good point because another book that, you know, we recently read that I just, it just kind of blew my mind was, you know, The Bad Science. Oh, yeah. Right? I was going to ask you, know? you how your view changed of, of um, the obesity code since, like, listening to Bad Science. Yeah, I mean, that, that book, I mean, that book's amazing. That guy is like unbelievable, you know, like, and he pulls no punches and, you know, Ben Goldacre, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, I mean, if you're, you know, forgive me for saying, but like, if you're a nutritionist, like, and you don't want to get pissed off, don't pick up that (laughs) book. Or if you want to change a profession, pick up the book. Right. Um, Because, you know, he really, he really gets to after those people, but you know, at the same time, there's a lot of magic that who you know, doesn't he get after? That, yeah, that is peddled in nutritionism, right? Like, yeah. there's so many people out there claiming to be nutrition experts that have no background in anything outside of maybe the fact that they've dieted before, or you know, that they once dropped. 30 pounds on this or, you know, it's just nuts. Like, you know, the idea that you can basically deem yourself a nutritionist and not have any sort of background or credential or education. Responsibility. You know, it's just, it's nuts to me. And, you know, like. It's it's not saying that like if you're doing your due diligence and like you want to better yourself. And you're doing the, the the research. You're you're maybe going back to school, and you're you're focusing in on the holes that you see from your experience. Like that's different, right? Just doing it, and then saying that you're not, that an expert is kind of like saying uh, there's a book that I'm I'm reading right now called The Unbroken Brain by uh, Maya Solovitz, who is a former addict. Um, she talks a lot also about the fact that a majority of where addicts go to get treatment, they're is no like credential for the people that are being hired there. So like literally you need a high school diploma. Of, and you've ha- you had to be an ex addict. You know, I mean, possibly. Right? right. So it's, it's very similar to that. And I'm like, Holy crap. I can't believe that even the 12 step process that supposedly helps so many people, supposedly she deems as being completely incompetent towards finding success for a higher majority of addicts because because of what we learned in bad science and how that's applied into the obesity code and how that is then applied into this unbroken brain book, which completely, my view of addiction now is completely different, mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, it's crazy when you start to really think about some of this stuff because it's like, you know, I think the the overriding idea is, you know, if you're in the health and wellness space, it's, you know, should be do no harm. It's kind of the whole Hippocratic oath, right? Yeah. Like, um, and are you, are, is that your main goal, you know, with what it, what it is that you're trying to do and how you're trying to help people? Or are you just a manipulator? You know, like, yeah. are you using, you know, these things to make money off of people and, 
it's with no feeling of responsibility, right? And I think that, you know, it's one of those things that's really tough. And as a consumer, how do you know, like, you know, how do you know if you're getting taken or not? And I think that, you know, there's a lot of things out there that I think probably work and that haven't been researched enough to be able to say, well, I can prove this based on this, this, and this study, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to kind of see whether or not like that thing works for you, you know, Um, or or if it's repeatable or it's actually, yeah. Or, you know, people are actually able to repeat it over and over and over again. But also looking at, you know, when you, when you read the bad science book, there's a huge placebo effect that, you know, people don't even take into account where it's like, is that thing that you're doing actually repeatable or is it due to this placebo effect thing that's actually a lot more powerful than people realize? And that idea of regression to the mean, what he talks about, you know, right. like, is it just going to get better by itself anyways? Right. And, and, and like what we talked about before too, you know, it's like, okay, how many different people in, in our health and wellness space, number one, don't even really think about how to do a scientific method study, like self-study or uh, a case study to understand like what their process is about. And I I know there's a whole bunch of holes in in my process that I'm trying to get better at, but then I'm trying to look at variable by variable and seeing if those variables mean anything towards that individual and then how it works in the context of the whole of Mm. what we do, you know, and, and that's tough. But I think, you know, the other thing is, like, we're not advertising ourselves as scientifically backed, you know, um, like, we don't have a scientifically backed program, you know. Now, certain parts of, like, our process do have scientific backing, mm-hmm. right? But we've never done a scientific study on, you know, with a thousand people on, like, how we progress people through the exercise process, yeah. right? Yeah, And... You know, I think it's one thing to it's one thing to work with people knowing that, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm not using, quote unquote, scientifically backed, you know, um, techniques all the time. But what I am looking for is, you know, is there change? Is there, you know, how do I measure those changes in those individuals? Because what works for some people might not work for another Right. And I'm okay with that. But I also am not flaunting the idea that, like, my program or my process is better than yours because science says it's better. You well, know? I, I think you have a, a fundamental understanding of truth. And I think that's where people, they don't take a step back, you know, because it's like, is what I'm doing really doing what I think it's doing? And then we, when we realize that it's, it may not like uh, uh, we first did this thing, we're like, Hey, you know, maybe our stuff can take away pain. Well then what's pain, right? So it's like, Oh crap. Like maybe it doesn't really take away pain. Like maybe what we're doing is something that's like this. So then we have to formulate our own truth around what we do and don't do because it's based upon what we feel is the truth. Truth is guiding what our message is. Truth is guiding like how we practice. And if it if we feel like it's false or we feel like it's a lie, then we got to rethink what we're doing because our whole basis is upon trying to tell people the truth. Right. 
and I, you know, and that's where everything becomes convoluted and you know um, hard to sift through all the the crap you know that really is out there. It's like what's right, what's wrong. If mm-hmm. I'm a consumer, like it's confusing enough being in the profession, let alone if I'm a consumer. Like, oh god, yeah. How the hell do I even sift through all the crap? Right? Yeah, and yeah. you know that's that's one of the hardest pieces when you sit down with a potential client and their preconceived notions on things are like, well, yeah, I've, I heard it's this way or I heard it's that way. And it's like, okay, well, from who? And yeah. like, you know, have you tried those things out yourself? Did they work? Did they not work? Well, you know? Um, tell, tell a story real quick of, okay, when, when you went to like one of our favorite like you and your wife went to, you and Kristen went to um, like your favorite Mexican restaurant, right? My wife and I, um, we uh, we took our daughter to the museum um, a couple Saturdays ago, probably two, a uh, month and a half from now. Um, and, you know, like one of our favorite Mexican restaurants is fairly close to there. So we're like, oh, let's go hit that. Let's go hit it up, you know. Because if you're Milwaukee, go to Bel Air Cantina, right? And we'll give a shout out to Bel Air because that place is the bomb. It's so good. Um, and we actually like, you know, before we moved to the Burbs and became parents, and you know, like totally lame. We had <laughs> blue hairs. Yeah, we had a we had a condo downtown, and like we hit up Bel Air at least once, but usually twice a week. Like it was Taco kind of Tuesday our, and Thursday, man. Kind of our favorite hangout. Like great tacos. I mean, it's it's just it's. All around, it's just a great atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, "Hey, let's take let's take full advantage." We're down here because we don't get to go as much anymore. Um, and you know, we sat down, and it was like the normal, like you go up, "Hey, we'd like a table." I mean, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing different about yeah. you know, like the two hundred and fiftieth time that we've been in there <laughs> versus like the first time, right? Um, and we happened to sit down and we're having a conversation and, you know, we're trying to get food ordered, you know, like if you have kids, you want to get that food ordered fast because, you know, they're not very patient, at least my daughter's not. So, you know, we order her food and we're trying to figure out what we want. And all of a sudden this guy comes over to our table and was like, Oh, I thought I recognized you guys. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, who the hell is this? Like, <laughs> you know, and he's and you know, he's kind of talking more to my wife. Mm. And um through like the next 20 seconds, I realized that, you know, he has a daughter that's in the same daycare class mm. as my daughter. And I never seen this, I never met this guy, but my wife had, you yeah. know. And he had, you know, um, come over to say hi because he recognized my daughter, right? And I was like, oh, that's really nice, you know? Yeah. And we initially were just kind of talking, you know, like about our daughters. And then it went to, you know, we love this place. We never get to come. Like, you know, I explained that we used to go once, if not twice a week. We had a bottle of tequila, you know, behind the bar that, you know, and we just miss it, but we don't get here very often. Yeah. And he was like, you know, well, actually, he's like, you know, I started – at the one that you guys actually used to go to, he goes, I was the GM there. And now he goes, I run all the Bel Airs. And there, I think there's like six of them now, five or six of them. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know? And so we got to talking about that a little bit. And he's like, you know what? He's like, you have a card on you. It's like, and the funny thing is I never carry my business card ever. <laughs> thank, thank you, Greg Mack. <laughs> um, 
And I just happened to have like one on me for whatever. I have no idea why. Yeah. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just go ahead and like, I'm going to, I got your card now. I'm going to put a bottle of tequila with your guy's name on it behind the bar. So anytime you come in, it'll be there for you. He goes, you know, like enjoy the rest of your meal. Hmm. I was like, holy shit. Like, really? Like, it just kind of blew me away because it's, you know, I don't, we don't really know this guy that well. It's like our daughters go to daycare together. Maybe they're BFFs. I have no idea. (laughs) Right. Not the one that's knocking all the other kids over. Right. And I'm like, that's super cool. Like he went completely out of his way, you know, whether it was because my daughter's super cool to his daughter or, you know, like what, but I just thought it was like, wow, like this just reiterates the fact that this place is awesome. And like, I will go out of my way oh, co- uh, that, to go that, eat there. And that, in that story in itself, right. It, it summates everything that we're talking about. Like the, the idea of listening to the people that you want to be surrounded by. Number one, number two, um, making people feel accepted, like the set and the setting, like does every single time that somebody's coming to your door, make you feel a certain way. And then on top of that, like we talked before about sales, right? Sales. Like you go to a restaurant, they're selling you something, right? You're, you're ordering something and, and you're paying a certain amount for that thing. It's like you're, when you go to a place and you're trading dollars for an experience, it's like no matter what, you're going to have to sell something. It, it doesn't have to be something that's bad. It can be an, a, a really good experience. It's only bad if you don't sell something to somebody because that means that eventually you're going out of business. Like, <laughs> or, or, you know, or, it's, or it's not equal value. Right. You know, and it's like, number one, like most people view sales as this, like I'm going to manipulate, you know, and they're going to pay me money and they're not. And, and it's like, I win. And it's not that way at all. Like sales is supposed to be find a need do I do that thing and can I help them? So that's where you finding out the truth of what you do becomes like the marker of everything that you're trying to help them with. And it's like we there was a couple uh, a couple posts within our community for health and wellness practitioners where it's interesting how people get caught up on the details when the the the, the group of people that could be helping the most are so worried about about just the practitioners that they're not helping the people that that are being picked up by maybe body workers or 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 other exercise practitioners that are screwing other people up you know and it's like okay maybe we should be changing our priorities towards providing people with an experience searching for truth within so that you have a specific message so that you feel okay with the idea of selling something is just an idea. It's a transaction. That's all that it is. If it contains money, it contains money. If it doesn't, okay, cool. You know, it doesn't have to be about any type of baggage that you've had about the idea of money. Right. And I think, you know, as we've we've matured and gone through this whole process too, I mean, you know, you can... <laughs> It, you can you can take as much time as you want bashing other people and other practitioners and other modalities, but at the end of the day, you know, if you put that much effort into actually defining what you do and going after the client that needs what it is that you do, oh, completely, you're gonna be tenfold better than wasting your time like 
telling people that this this person isn't any good, this person isn't any good, that's ridiculous. Why would you ever do this? Like oh, I mean, nobody wants to hear that. It, Not only it, that, like but yourself. like yourself. Like yeah, you, it you makes you look like an that? asshole. I mean, you know? it's like you want to be surrounded by that. It's like I don't want to be the person that's surrounded in negativity. Like I want to be around people that are lifting me up. Like I always want to be around people that are like, hey man, you can do that. Like maybe you should think about like how to make that better. And because, you know, maybe this is off a little bit, but it could be something that's really awesome, right? Not only do I want my clients to be like that, but I want the practitioners that are raising me up, my family, my friends, those are the types of people I want to have relationships with. Like if I start talking like that, like I would want people to be around me because I'm just like, who wants to be around somebody that's always bringing you down? Right. No, I, I mean, it's, it's totally true. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negativity. Like, you know, I think a lot of people sell themselves as, well, we're better than you. We're better than, you know, gym. like, yeah, because we're better than you. It's like, well. Come, Michelle. Yeah. It's like, you know, every, every, you know, exercise or every exercise website I see, it's, it's always like, well, we have the best professionals. It's like, wow, man, like you can't go anywhere without finding the best professionals. Like they're all the best, right? That's because, what differentiates Because no, nobody's going to say we have the worst professionals here at our facilities to come check them out. Right. So how do you, it's like Ed DeBevix. How, how do you determine? It's we like, swear at you. Yeah. It's like, we should come to your gym because you have the best professionals. Like what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. Like best professionals and what, like mm-hmm. for who, for when, you know, it's like, and don't get me wrong. Like we've got caught up in that stuff too, where oh, it's like, well, why wouldn't you come to us? We're the best. Well, best at doing what? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, it's and like we had, and we had really no solid answer. Right. You know, you know, and no and most people don't, you know, and it's like that's that's the thing. It's like cuz you're going to get that the client that walks in, well, what makes you any better than this person over here? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you can answer that, right? Or you can say, well, why does that even matter? Like, mm-hmm. you have this problem. I'm very good. Like I, I provide the the solution to the need that you have. Mm-hmm. Why does it? Why do I have to compare? You know, my shoe size to the guy next door. It's uncomparable. I mean, you know? it's not. It's not comparable. Right. It's like when you you hit hit around the head. We said finding the real need. It's like okay, does that does what you're doing your truth match that need? And if it does, it's like okay, is it a, is it a situation we can provide a win win? And if you can, awesome. We go ahead. If one person feels like they're losing, it's done. It's a no. And it should be a no. Right. 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 So. Okay. To good wrap, talk. To, good to, talk. To, <laughs> to, 